Carvel. Carvel! Akane Tendo Pigtailed Girl. Akane Tendo Pigtailed Girl. Akane Tendo Pig. programs and welcome to another episode of fan holes big in japan i'm justin and i'll be your host this evening joining me tonight is one of my fellow fan holes why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself hot dog this is Derek. oh wow we're, we're enthusiastic tonight oh yeah um, tonight we will be discussing the film little nemo adventures in Summerland. this film was released on july 15th 1989 in japan and August the 21st, 1992, in the United States. I swiped a little synopsis from IMDb because I'm a dirty thief. I don't. I, am, I, I, don't, I don't blame you in the least for this moment. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, you know, uh, our two styles, you know, you, you tend towards a more precise and de detailed synopsis, whereas I like to make it short and sweet and hit the high and low points. And I was like, I don't even know how I would do a short and sweet <laughs> yeah, synopsis that's why of like this. Hey, I uh, just in in your defense, like I'm I, I'm watching the movie and I'm like, what is going on? And then I'm reading the Wikipedia <laughs> just so I was like, oh, that's what I just watched. So yeah, and, yeah. And you know, it's weird because it's like for the first forty five minutes, like nothing really happens. It's all like that's, hijinks that's and mischief. True. That's that's really true. But anyway, our story: a young boy whose dreams transcend reality is sucked into his own fantasy, which is everything he has dreamed of, until he unleashes a century-old secret that may not only destroy his perfect dream world, but reality itself. So, I guess from my personal history with this film, this is something that I would often rent when I was a little kid. Like, I think I got this from the same store that had, like, Transformers the movie and Clash of the Bionoids. Like, Usually, if I wanted to rent something, I would want to go for like you know Transformers or a Godzilla film. But sometimes I would feel adventurous, and I'd be like, "Ooh, what's this? Ooh, what's that? Like robots? Oh, bionoids? What's a bionoid?" And I think one time I just kind of tried Little Nemo, and I was like, "Oh, this is really kind of weird." And it's been a good eight or nine years since I watched this. Like I watched it, you know, several times as a kid, and then I think I kind of rediscovered it as a teenager and i still liked it and then when crunchyroll became a thing i noticed they had this film and i watched it uh 2010 2011 and i was like yeah this still holds up and i really i really still like this film what i thought was really interesting though is when i mentioned this to you like not only had you never seen this but you were not really aware of like the comic strip it was based on, and I thought that was really kind of interesting. You were not aware of it. Yeah, I um, I guess this is like a blind spot for me. Like this, this kind of reminds me of like Willy Wonka, like where people would be like, "What do you mean you've never seen Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory?" And I was like, it just never 
came up, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. It just never, never touched me. And I'm, I, I did try to, since, you know, since I have zero history with this film and mm -hmm. the property, I was like trying to figure out like, okay, so I'm wondering, par part of me wonders if it's our, you know, I know we have an age difference. So part of me is going to point to that as my excuse. But then the other yeah. thing, the other thing is like, I'm like, okay, so what was I doing in 1992? You know, it was my, my second year of high school and I was watching stuff like Wayne's world and, you know, going to see like, you know, drama films, like a few good men. And, you know, like, like I was kind of going through the right. filmography of 1992 and it's like, uh, and then, then the thing that I kind of noticed that stuck out to me is like, you know, stuff I wouldn't have watched would have been like, you know, essentially the kitty fair, right? Like, cause I'm, I'm thinking like, well, did I watch three ninjas? Like, no, did I, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm, I'm kind of going through it. Like, yeah. like I didn't watch that shit, you know, like, and, and it's not, it's not like a derogatory thing. It's just one of those things where it's like, I, I mean, you know, w with exceptions, right? Like with exceptions of say like Batman, the animated series or Batman returns or, you know, things that I was genuinely into and passionate about you know, you know, animated properties, you know, whether it eventually was like the X-Men or whatever it was that, that you were watching around that same time period, or, or even something like Animaniacs. Like, it was, it was socially acceptable to be into Animaniacs. Like, that was okay. Like, it was, you know, because it had that Warner Brothers adult Looney Tunes humor, so that was fine. It was fine to be into Beavis and Butthead and watch shit on MTV because that was cool. But I think, like, you, there was a certain point where it's like, you didn't really watch Kitty, you know, like, I mean, I I, I have to be honest, like, I, I don't even remember this, you know, like, like you know how I always talk about, like, I might not have seen a movie, but I remember the promotional aspect of it, like the, mm -hmm. the pomp and circumstance, you know, I remember seeing a, a poster in the movie theater and stuff, like, I mean, in, in researching this and reading about it, it seems like, like, okay, this movie was made in 1989, it bombed in Japan, and then four years later they managed to dub it and get some suits convinced to release it, and then it bombed here. Yeah. You know, like, like I, I mean, I don't... I, and, and it sounds like from your personal experience, like, you discovered this on home video, right? So you've, mm -hmm. yeah. you've never seen this in a theater, right? Like, yeah. that's... Okay. So, so like, that, that, that to me is interesting and telling, right? Like, this, this has to be a, you know... Well, it's not true for me because I remember seeing the Monster Squad in the movie theaters. I was like one of the 500 people who did. But like, <laughs> but 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 it's got to be similar to that, right? It's got to be one of these circumstances where it's like a bunch of people later discovered it, you know, with the advent of home video, and then you've got people that have the nostalgic feels for it through Crunchyroll or what have you. The thing that I thought was interesting too, and I, I tried to educate myself about, give myself like a crash course, is what you're talking about, like the comic strip aspect to it. <laughs> and you know, so I mean I was I was kind of sitting there and thinking like, oh, okay, so you've got, you know, Windsor McKay doing the comic strip. And and, you know, obviously I haven't read the whole thing, but I'm 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 kinda, you know, buzzing through it and looking at the art and kinda you know, it, it's interesting because like I, I I still feel like, you know, that, that I think that's why History of Comics on Film is comic books and not comic strips, you know, because I, I feel like I've never really, you know, with some exceptions, you know, things like maybe Flash Gordon, the Phantom, and, you know, the, the Star Wars comic strips, or, you know, maybe the, the occasional Spider-Man comic strip that I've read. I've never really trained myself to read comic strips. So there's, there's that weird adjustment period where you're kind of like, how do I read 
thing. And then and then Winter McKay has this kind of almost surreal style, you know, mm-hmm. in his strips, you know. And and yeah, I was trying to think of like a modern equivalent to people who are like me that aren't familiar with the work at all. And like the best I could come up with is like and hopefully these guys would take it as a compliment if you if you said this to their face, but like I, I kind of think like a modern equivalent to Windsor McKay's style is somebody like Jeff Darrow or J.H. Williams the third, you know, like these kind mm. of collage like people that, that mm. have like all kinds of stuff going on a page at the same time. And sometimes it's hard to, I mean, hell, maybe even like, you know, I know people are going to throw uh, bananas or whatever, but like banana peels, but like even somebody like Tom Skill, right. You know, and, and like, like, something like that where there's so much going on the page at the same time, you know, and, and there's all these kind of, and, and he's, you know, I guess, I guess as opposed to Tom Scioli, like somebody like Jeff Darrow is very hyper detailed with it. And I think, I think that's true of Windsor McKay where you, you see all these details within the, the tapestry and this kind of collage type style and everything. And so like, I get why so many people were, inspired by it or or even why you know the the people behind the scenes were really keen on kind of telling that story or making their own version of it or putting their stamp on it like it it seems like the type of people that kind of you know dig certain things whether it's like you know the the original king kong film and then they want to kind of reproduce it or, or or tell it in another venue another artistic medium and you know that so so i kind of get that um, the, the other thing, the closest thing I can, I can pull from my nostalgic feels is the fact that this was animated by TMS mm-hmm. and like the style in this, like the animation style in this film, Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland, I think is ideal. Like it's 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 very well animated. They spent a lot of money on it. You can totally tell. And it's one of these interesting hybrid type things cuz it's it's interesting cuz we're doing, you know, big in Japan, right? And it's like it's like there's a difference between anime on the cheap and then something done within the format of how anime is made, but yet there's a lot of money poured into it. Kind of like, you know, we've had discussions like that about, you know, Akira and, you know, there's other movies that are of similar nature. And, and you know what's funny to me is, you know what this animation reminded me of the most was, and this is, this tugs on my nostalgia feels, so it's like, I guess it's it's me giving it some kind of, you know, hidden praise or something. I'm, you know, me trying to angle for, since I don't have a deeper connection to it, I'm trying to angle for like the positive things to say. And for me, like, I guess this is high praise, but it reminds me of the Ruby Spears Superman animated series, because you've got something that's decidedly not Japanese in nature. You know, it's like you're, you're, you're sitting there going, oh, this is obviously an American comic strip, even though it's from like the early 1900s. And it's the same thing. You've got Superman, which is a comic book from, you know, the 30s, but yet, you know, or, you know, 30s till the present time when it was done, Ruby Spears, you know, 1988, it's like a, you know, John Byrne, Marv Wolfman era, you know, Superman, but, you know, post-crisis or whatever. But yet you've got these sort of faithful character designs that stick to, say, the, the Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, you know, character models. And yet it's 
animated and it's got that sheen that shine that you know that those tricks that they use in in anime productions to make everything kind of gleam and glitter and look to me i i love that i mean i i think it puts a polish on everything and it's like it's all trickery and flim flammery but to me it makes it look that there's to me there, there's that weird thing where it's like there's an aspect of making it feel real to me because they they put all that trickery and polish over the kind of animation model and everything and i think that applies to to this film as well where you can see it and 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 i guess i was trying to figure out the history like i don't know it too well but like tms was a studio and like i'm pretty sure the studios that worked on ruby spears were like toei and i think this other one is called like i think you pronounce it like dayun or something like that but like it's even though it's not the exact same studio like i think the application of the technique is very similar so in terms of like the actual animation like i guess i find that that i can give high praise in terms of the the quality like the production value of it i kind of question you know and this is just me kind of looking at it from an outsider's point of view like having no attachment or nostalgia for the film itself like i kind of question whether it lost some of windsor mckay's i don't know surrealism because of that like like it's like one of those things where you're like imagine if like a bill skinkevich new mutants issue was redrawn by tom grummet they're both excellent artists the production value is both top notch but it it completely changes like the dynamic of of like what you're watching and Mm -hmm. i kind of feel like the the tms animation is like seeing Tom Grummet or Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, you know, character models animated, where everything kind of looks on model and looks really good and nice, but then you kind of lose that aspect of, you know, the Bill Skinkevich bear, you know, demon bear looking all wild and crazy and the frilly hair and the crazy shadows and all that, you know, or, or something like, you know, somebody like, I don't know, Mike Magnolia or something, you know, so, something yeah. like that where it's like super stylized and everything. I was going to say, I think it's kind of like how the Doctor Strange film ended up. Like, I like mm, the film, mm. but I think it's really difficult to try and translate the trippy Ditko skate into stuff. a yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's like, a great parallel as well. Like, I yeah, I kind of I, I kind of feel that way about having seen this because I was like, oh, some of that didn't quite translate for me. And then I guess I guess you you kind of got into it in terms of the the film itself and the story, like things don't really happen and maybe that's an effect of the the comic strip nature of it cuz it seemed mm. to me like the, the the comic strip starts out with the premise of Nemo's going to meet and play with Princess Camille but it's like they have like 5 thousand comic strips of the Namek saga before they even meet <laughs> princess camille do you know what i mean like there's there's all yeah. this like crazy dreams and all this other stuff that goes on even before they get there so it's like i wonder if you know, you know it's it's kind of like in the film the only like pre slumberland camille thing is like the 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 bed 
and the train and the you know the whole kind of action mm-hmm. sequence and everything and and you have that and you get that but i mean i feel like in the comic strip itself there were like thousands of those before you actually got to slumberland and then you know because it's worth talking about like I, I feel like i should go into it right the, the comic strip was made in like 1905 and i guess ran until like i don't know not, what is it like 19 i don't know it says 1926 or something right like and so like it's dated like like for for all intents and purposes like if you're going to talk to people who who get you know easily offended like there's plenty of things for people to find in this comic strip for people to be offended by and there's there's characters there's 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 a character named Impy who makes steamboat from Captain Marvel look politically correct like you know there's 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 uh, and, and then and then to me like what what's kind of amusing to me is and I guess we can start going into the characters and everything but you know in the film you've got Nemo who meets Flip who's kind of like I don't know. I, I feel like I, I've had friends like Flip, you know, where it's like, oh, he's somebody to hang out with, but he kind of like, you know, eventually it's like he kind of fucks up your day, you know, kind of thing, <laughs> you know. And so, so, so you've got Flip, right? But like, if you look at like what's actually going on there, if you're gonna say that that you know this character Impy is is you know this this uh, you know horribly dated, you know probably present day offensive caricature of you know somebody who's a native african and then you know for me like i look through it and i see like all these kind of caricatures of like you know native americans and all you know there's all kinds of stuff like strung through there where you're like nemo's ready to shotgun blast a bunch of you know he's doing like this cowboy and indians dream sequence or something and he's about to take out all these savages you know and all this kind of stuff so he's like sitting there going okay okay you know like all right so 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 you're trying to you know get through some of this stuff but if you look at flip like technically like flip which still manages to make it into this movie is basically like how all the the irish were looked at during say like uh, a tv show like copper you know it's in that same I mean, you know, like, Copper's, like, post-Reconstruction Civil War, so, like, obviously that's, like, way earlier than the 1900s. But, like, my point is that, like, that notion of certain races and people being considered a lower class of citizen is applicable, and Flip is basically, like, there's a reason why he has a green face. Do you know what I mean? Like, Like, he's supposed to be, like, this fucking, you know, you're talking about people getting offended by blackface. Well, he's got the Irish green face. So it's like, but that still sort of manages to make it to this movie in present day because nobody gives it a second thought, right? And so, like, there's those aspects that I'm, like, sitting there going, oh, okay, like, I wasn't, you know, it's like I'm I'm sort of putting all this shit together because, you know, it's coming at me all at once and I'm doing, like, this kind of Cliff Notes crash course into it. But, like, these are some of the things that I'm I'm coming up with. And then I guess, like, you're 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 going through all like the characters and shit, and then some of the stuff I was like keen on, I guess that I could go to things. It's like I know that I can clap at that, like where it's like you've got you know Odo as uh, Professor Genius, you know, so it's like it's Odo, I know Odo, I can clap at Odo. Um, and then uh, the other thing I thought was cool was uh, King Morpheus is is Psykill. So I was like, I was like, it's Psykill. Psykill's like, you know, leading. The, he's the god of dreams and everything. So like, some some of those things I thought were kind of cool. So 
something I wasn't aware of until I actually started like taking notes and doing research for the show was just how troubled the production history of this movie was because it began in the very early 80s and you kind of mentioned Akira and TMS earlier and there was some information that said that it was only really the success of Akira that got this project mm. finally started because they they actually made like three pilot films and yeah I was going to ask you have you have you seen all of those no I've um I've not the they're Two of them are on the Blu-ray, and supposedly the the one of them is like lost forever, I guess. But I oh, okay. I so so I tried to. I mean, I like I said, I'm doing this cram session here for this, but I tried to I tried to double fist it. So like I'm watching the movie before we get on, and then I, I pulled up some of these pilots. Like they're on. Oh, I don't know about the lost one, but if you look at like I think it's like I want to say it's like 19. Here, let me look. Look up if you if you guys who's ever listening and, and Justin if you want to watch these pre pilot things there's there's one from 1984 and 1987 but if you just type in like Little Nemo pilot or whatever and it's like so there's like one that's like you know I don't know like four minutes or something and then there's like another one that's like about ten minutes or something and like they're interesting I mean it, it's it's the, the 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 short one the like three or four minute one is like a different take on the bed sequence mm. and I guess instead of the the Icarus the squirrel it's like he's a kid that hangs out with them or something I don't know that that's something I was trying to figure out because I, I don't know enough about it because I was trying to get through all these comic strips but like I I don't think like Icarus and the Nightmare King and all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I don't, I don't think that's like canon to the comic strip. Like, I think that's just stuff they put into this film version. But those aspects do seem to find their way into these pilots too, because you can see in the first pilot, it's like Icarus is a little kid, like kind of like a, I don't know, some kind of street urchin or something like that. You know, like that hangs out with Nemo, and then in the the longer pilot, like the 10, 11 minute one, he's now, you know, the squirrel that he becomes in this movie and is like, you know, a steadfast companion to Nemo. And mostly I think that's like, it's like Nemo and he's in a hot air balloon and he's with Professor Genius. And there's, there's a bunch of like, it, it, it's like visual overload. Like, I, I don't know if they did that better in the pilots or not. Like, Maybe I mean it still looks all very clean to me, so I still think that whole say Marvel Cinematic Doctor Strange versus Steve Ditko trippy balls type stuff like I think that disparity still exists no matter what you're watching. But they were you know it was it was interesting you know that you know it's it's interesting to see where these things started and everything. And then like you're talking about all the the troubles and things like it seemed like like they were trying to like it was like they tried to get it through to certain animation studios and certain directors. Like, they were saying something like, Kiki's Delivery Service kicked this movie's ass, and then yeah. was it like Miyazaki was, I don't know, who was, you know, somebody was previously attached to Nemo, but then they went on to make Kiki or whatever. Yeah, right? I, I thought it was really interesting. Like, Miyazaki was involved, and then he departed. They had a quote from him where he described it as the worst experience he has ever been through. And I was just like, oh, my God, like just how how troubled was the production? Like, I don't know, but there like there were a lot of famous people involved with this, like Mobius. You know, he has story credit, which I thought mm. was really interesting. And that, you know, 
I, I was not even aware of Mobius like, when I was a little kid, so I thought that I wonder, was interesting. I, I wonder if that's like kind of like you, you know when when we were watching the Zephyrel or I don't know I was I, I don't know that we were watching it, but I know we both saw it like the Zephyrelli, you know, Dune thing or whatever. Like I wonder if that's like you know Mobius just doing a bunch of like um, storyboards, you know, doing the storyboards. Yeah, like for for this, like because like you're saying, there's so much frenetic craziness that's going on like you, you would need a person of his caliber to like storyboard that shit out for you so you're like okay and then this happens with the bed and then the the train comes up from the fucking ocean and then it crashes into the pier and then the pier's breaking apart and he's running away like he's the fucking rock in an action movie and like you know all that kind of stuff i don't know if you saw this but at one point george lucas was approached but he declined because he apparently had issues with the story and he thought Nemo had very little character development, which I was like, oh, wah, wah. Like, this is a good point to, like, edit in, like, a Red Litter Media joke or something. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, where you're like, the power of math. Um, you see, in most movies, the audience needs a character to connect with. Typically, this character is something called a protagonist. I, I don't know. I feel like. I feel like I understand the character of Nemo better than I did, like, Qui-Gon Jinn or, or Anakin yeah. or something. I don't know. Like, I... I'm sure, like, Cruiser Dave will send this in. Well, like, okay, well, let's let's talk about that then. Because, like, okay, like, I, I know I know we kind of cracked the joke, like, nothing happens for, like, or, or craziness happens for 45 minutes before the mm-hmm. story kind of gets going, right? But, like, okay, so, I mean, I'll, I'll just kind of try to spell it out, and, and, and you can tell me if, you know, where you think I go astray or whatever, or if I'm oversimplifying things. But, like, he's a little kid. He does shit he's not supposed to, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and like that makes me think of like Ebenezer Scrooge where it's like a dash of mustard and that's why I see all this goofy shit. It's like yeah, he's like going out and stealing the pie. Yeah, yeah, he's eating pies, he's eating shit before he goes to bed and that's why, you know, that's why he's tripping balls and it's not real or, you know, wh- whatever you want to blame it on, right? Like that's why he's having all these wackadoo dreams and stuff because he's, he's, you know, having the dash of mustard or, or what have you, right? And, and so, but you start out with somebody who is not necessarily going by the rules. You know, he's not playing by the rule book. And then he, he's brought to be a companion to the princess. He's given the responsibility of being the heir to the king of slumberland. He's entrusted with a key, which he can get into any place in slumberland, but he's specifically told, not to open this one fucking door. And of course, Flip fucks up his day, and they both go, and they end up the fucking they they end up opening the door, and they let out the Nightmare King. So now fucking I don't know. I'm trying to think of the Disney equivalent, but it's like uh, you know one of these like nightmarish dudes from Fantasia or whatever is like coming out of the the uh, the, like the, the, the door from Black Cauldron or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one too. Yeah, he, it's kind of this scary nightmarish kind of yeah. looking devil in the shadows type thing or whatever you know and so so which i find weird that you you don't really see him until like way end of the movie like i i don't know maybe that would have been more interesting if you had seen him earlier or something but anyway i i guess the point is with with nemo right he he doesn't listen he he's established that track record he doesn't quite want to be there. I mean, I, I know we're talking about, you know, 
like caricatures and, 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 and prejudices and racial stereotypes or some of these character archetypes. But like even Nemo himself, I, I feel like in today's day and age, he'd get lambasted because he's like, what? I got to go hang out with a girl, you know? And it's like, <laughs> even the Wikipedia tries to like soften it up where it's like, well, Nemo seems to have problems with hanging out with someone from the opposite gender. And you're just like, all right, Wikipedia. Like he's 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 clearly like in that little boy girls yeah. are icky mode. Yeah. Like which I don't know if that needs to be you know lambasted. It's just you know I mean I'm sure you know it's like all little boys and girls at some point you know grow up where they're you know obviously not playing with one another or they're they're you know segregated because it's like oh boys play with boys and girls play with girls and whatever you know like so I don't know that that's like the end of the goddamn world but but. Basically, like, obviously his arc is with Princess Camille, like, because, you know, he obviously comes to appreciate her by the end of the movie, like, whereas he finds her an icky girl at the beginning, you know, he's, he's, he's getting a smooch from her at the end. And also, you've got the notion that when all the shit goes down and the entire Slumberland community finds out that because I, I guess basically what happens is because the Nightmare King, King is released, there's all this black goop that comes to the dance, and, and they all get abducted. He can't get the scepter of power, which I guess is like he's he's sort of semi-entrusted with. Like, eventually he's going to have it when he's older, but for whatever reason, Psykill's out there on the fucking dance floor, which you could argue, like, well, that's your fault, buddy. Like, why weren't you, like, at your fucking post? But anyway, Psykill's out on the dance floor. He doesn't have the scepter. And so he he gets, you know, hit up with the black goop from, from Creepshow 2 or whatever. And and then, you know, Nemo's basically, like, you know, accused of, you know, you're the only dude who had the key, right? So you're the one who had to be the one to let him out. Of course, Flip sells him out on the drop of a fucking dime because, you know, he's a green-faced, drunk Irishman or whatever the stereotype is. And and so he, he basically sells them up the river, and they're pointing fingers at one another. But I guess the arc for Nemo is then he he comes across Professor Genius. He's like, look, this was this was my bad. I I made a promise to you know King Morpheus. I didn't keep it. You know, I promised him I wouldn't use the key to open up this one fucking door. I did it because I'm a fucking idiot who doesn't listen and eats pies after midnight and <laughs> turns into a fucking gremlin or whatever. And and so now I've learned my lesson. I made a promise to him. I'm going to try to, you know, earn that trust back and, and, and we're going to find the king. We're going to get him the scepter. We're going to fix all this shit. And I mean, he goes to great lengths to the point where, you know, he basically is, is uh, unleashing the power of this scepter, like the, the fucking Care Bear stare. And he, you know, mows down the dark nightmare, whatever Mabob, and in the process, he becomes like fucking Ash from the first Pokemon movie and, and kills himself, and in lieu of crying all over him, they, you know, I don't know, King Morpheus does some hokey nonsense where it's like, oh, you're like Optimus Prime, it's okay for you to come back, and they bring him back, and then it's like, at that point, it's like, look, he's he's learned his lesson, he, 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 he you know, obviously learned about self-sacrifice, and he you know, is now sort of going to be probably a decent ruler. He's telling Flip, hey, no no cigars for you, buddy. Like, you've, you've, you fucked me one too many times, <laughs> and, and, and you're not going to, you know, mess up the, the whole Slumberland kingdom here. And then, you know, he, he, he I don't know, I, I think this was a, a whole lot of work for a wet dream, but he, uh, he gets a kiss from 
Princess Camille and wakes up and says it's the best fucking dream ever. And that's, I mean, to me, that's that's the basic gist of it. But, I mean, as far as his art goes, like, obviously, to me, it's kind of simple. He's a, he's a selfish kid who doesn't listen, and then he goes to being uh, selfless. Mm-hmm. You know, he sacrifices himself for the entire kingdom that, you know, a bunch of people, essentially, he, you know, maybe doesn't know or is coming to know. And that's, I mean, that's his arc, right? He goes from, from being, you know, one, you know, spoiled, selfish kid to, to somebody who is, uh, you know, selfless and, and is responsible for a kingdom, you know, essentially, or, or will be at some point. I I don't know about you, but I kind of like, I kind of like had questions about the film, like once he's brought back to life, because it, it seems like there were scenes missing because it's like, okay, the king brings him back to life. And then he's like all dressed up and they're getting into dirigible. And they never really say that he's going back home or he's going to wake up mm. or anything. But it's like it's like he's saying goodbye or something, but they never articulate it. And then the whole thing of him dying, it's like Icarus through his pantomiming and squeaking, he says that. If Nemo uses the royal scepter, like it'll kill him. And I'm like, well, where where did he learn that? Because all, the only thing the king said was like, the king said that what was he said exactly? Like he was too young and inexperienced to use the scepter. Right. He he never said anything like, oh, if you use this, like it'll kill you because you don't know how to use it. It's like I'm like, well, where did Icarus pull that? Um, I, I kind of feel like there were scenes missing there like they needed to like fill in the gap or they needed to like explain it a little better Mm. i was gonna say like i maybe this was a part of the movie i wasn't paying attention to but like by the end of it when icarus was like talking to him about going to the circus i was like did i miss that that squirrel was a talking squirrel this whole time like (laughs) was it talking through the whole movie or Mm. like didn't you just say it was like pantomiming but did it did it talk to him like i felt like it was kind of like squeaking like maybe a boo would do in aladdin oh, okay. and sometimes okay. you'd be like oh did he say you, like you, you could you can make you can make out a word like by the end of it i was like he's fucking talking to him like it's like <laughs> oh boy the circus <laughs> i was like wait the squirrel talk like really okay but yeah I, I i see what you're saying like i mean they didn't they didn't spell it out that that was gonna happen like it's kind of weird like you, you know you think like uh you know maybe that key should have had uh batman electric lock on it or something where if he tried to stick it in the wrong door it would like electrocute his ass or something like that and then he wouldn't do it or something but Uh, yeah i i don't know i i do have a further question for you because in reading some of this uh you know research that i came up with like i was kind of questioning i guess other people's take on the film because it was Mm, like mm. it was saying you know, Princess Camille, blah, blah, blah. And then it says, in reality, she is the daughter of the ringmaster. And so I was like, oh. okay, so here's how I view the film. Nemo's a little kid. When he dreams, he goes to Slumberland. Slumberland is like, it's not, Slumberland is like its own existence or reality or dimension or whatever you call it. Like, it's a real place that Nemo can go to. Like, it's not a dream that he has and then wakes up and goes to the circus. Like that's how I view the film. I don't know if you view it as the whole thing is a complete dream and he wakes up cause he ate the pie or whatever. Like, I, I don't know what, we, what, what is your take on that? Like is, is Slumberland 
a dream I don't, or you, you know what you know what's weird what weirds me out is the because i i'm i'm looking at these comic strips and it's like it's like watching you know scooby-doo meets the harlem globetrotters and you're like <laughs> you're like you're like is the harlem globetrotters a dream or did he really did scooby-doo really meet the Harlem <laughs> Globetrotters. And that's what I'm trying to wrestle with because it's right. like, if you look at these comic strips at some point, like it, it dovetails beyond Slumberland. Like it's like little Nemo goes to China and hangs out with people or like little Nemo, like to me, I mean, this is not the subtitle, but this is what's on my avatar because I thought it was funny, but it's like little Nemo goes to the planet of the fucking apes. I mean, literally <laughs> like they're apes and they talk and they're, they're making cakes and doing all kinds of shit. And, and you know, it's it's like all his buddies, you know. It's like it's like Flip and it's like uh, Ippy or whatever his name is, right? Like they they all get locked up by these apes and stuff. And I'm sitting there going like, "Take your damn hands off me!" You know, like it's a madhouse, a madhouse. So so, and I'm sitting there going, "Well, wait, Nemo can go to China. Is it like the dream China, or is it like the really for reals China, or is it like what you're saying?" Is the dream China like an alternate reality where Slumberland has a Chinatown? You know, you know, mm-hmm. like so, so like I'm kind of, I'm kind of baffled. Like, I mean, if you take the film isolated on its own, it could have all been a dream. I mean, he yeah. says it was a dream, and he says it's the most wonderful dream he's ever had, and there's no real evidence that it. I mean, the only thing you could point to, which you know. I, I would say is pretty valid is talking squirrel was in the dream with him and probably remembers the dream. And then unless you're saying like, okay, well squirrel, you know, Icarus and him had a shared dream, which I find questionable like that. That might be your one point of like, dude, you, you guys can't have the same dream. Like that doesn't make, you know, that doesn't make, that doesn't happen in real life. Like that, you know, so it's like, if that's the case, like it must be an alternate dimension. You know what I mean? Like, like it has to be, but, other than that, like, yeah, I, I could see where you could paint yourself into a corner and rationalize, like, oh, Nemo just had, you know, he, he, he had a, you know, but it's like, dude, that's not like an intense dream to have over, like, swapping some fucking pies, you know, like, I mean, it's like, come on, dude, like, did he have to learn that lesson? He had to, like, kill himself because he, he stole some pies? Like, I feel like, I, you know, you feel like that, that alternate, you know, Slumberland, that hat, that has to be real, right? Like, that, otherwise, it's like, that, I don't know. It seems like too extreme just to, to be a dream. What's interesting is what you just said, which I've never stumbled upon is, is the suggestion that somehow Slumberland is the circus. Like, is that, is that like a legitimate interpretation? I don't like know. that, that, that yeah. like Camille is the ringmaster's daughter and the ringmaster is potentially King Morpheus, like sort of like, I mean, in that case, maybe Slumberland's not all alternate reality, but maybe Nemo's just a little, you know, woohoo, woohoo, you know, or whatever, <laughs> or some shit, right? Like, and he's he's making this shit up in his head to like rationalize stuff or whatever. But I, I yeah, I don't know, I don't know, dude. So I mentioned that when I was little, you know, I, I rented this frequently. I had never read the comic strips. I was not even aware of them. The one thing I was aware of was the NES game, Little Nemo, the Dream Master, because th- this was released in japan but it was released here before the movie came out because i think the nes game was released in 1990 and i i can remember renting that and playing it 
and thinking this is a good game, but it's really hard. So I never really rented it that much. And I don't think I've played it, but maybe one or two times since I was a little kid. But did did that game come out after the movie was released in the States or was it before the movie was released in the States? Do you know? Before, because it says it was released in late 1990 in the U.S. Oh, okay. okay. Which is kind of weird if you think about it, because you yeah, know, usually, yeah. I mean, that's like a full two years. And, you know, usually the yeah. game is released like around the premiere of the movie. The same time, yeah. right? Yeah. See, this is something like I'm total blindsided by because I, I didn't do any research on the video game. But I, I did see we got a tweet about it where somebody was like, dude, you're going to make me play that video game. <laughs> but I I guess, is that, I mean, what, what kind of game is it? Like, what kind of, is it just a side-scrolling game? Yeah. Like, you said it was kind of hard. Is it like a, is it like a TMNT NES, like, hard, where you have to get Donatello's bow staff to do everything? Or, like? I don't really remember. I It's been so long since I played it. I just remember playing it. A- handful of times thinking this is really hard and i think i'm gonna rent something else next time did i wonder if uh the angry video game nerd ever did a little nemo video or anything i don't know so what did you think of like the i don't know like the weird shape-shifting like goblin guys um and one of them was one of them uh, was voiced by uh, skeletor alan oppenheimer yeah, Alan Oppenheimer, and then the other person I heard Michael was Bell? Uh, Michael yeah, Bell. Yeah, I heard him yeah. very briefly. Yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, they, they were there. Like, I thought about them. They're, they're, I, I, I was like, I was like, they're, they're kind of like uh, Super Sentai bad guys to me. Like, <laughs> like I, I guess, you know, I, I appreciate them for what they are, but they don't really... I don't know that they made a hell of an impact on me. You know, you know what's interesting? You're talking about people's takes on this. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I don't know if this is just a bunch of clickbait internet horseshit, which it probably is, but it's just like, I, I you know, while I was kind of going through and looking up things and, and, you know, doing this crash course for this, it seems like, quote-unquote, legit articles where people are like, this is the scariest movie for little kids ever. And I was just sitting there going like, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't see that at all. Like, I, like I feel like that's just like a clickbait thing or something. But, but I was like, I was like, is there anything in this that, like, I mean, okay, I, I guess, like, you know, I don't know. I, I was gonna say when I was a kid, the only thing that I thought was scary was the very end where you see the Nightmare King and he's like basically looks like okay. the devil. Okay. That. That yeah, was a little, yeah. little scary. I mean, I think I put it this but, way: I, like I was I mean, more, I mean, but I, I was more freaked out and weirded out by Dark Crystal than this as a little kid. Okay, okay. Well, I guess my point though is like, isn't it like an hour and forty minutes before, or whatever it is? Like, <laughs> it feels like it's like an hour and twenty-seven minutes mm-hmm. before you even see that guy. So it's like for somebody to say like it's a scary kids movie, I'm like, dude, like it was pretty tame, like for yeah. like. 90% of the movie, like, in my opinion, right? Like, I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't question showing this to, like, you know, somebody's, like, six or seven-year-old, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, or even, even maybe even a little younger. It's like, it's like, they, I mean, who, who knows if it would even hold their attention, but I don't think they would be, you know, traumatized by this or anything. I don't, I don't think it's something that's explicitly frightening or, or you know, whatever. Like, I mean, you know, some of the imagery might be confusing or or whatever, but I don't I don't see it as like something that's like deathly terrifying or something. And I I I thought it did get more interesting once Flip and 
Nemo released the the Nightmare King into the world. I mean, that's when I and it, that that's weird too because you're like, dude, man, it's been forty five fucking minutes, like, and now it's <laughs> finally like the plot is finally like you know chugging along, like like that 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 is something where I was like, you know, and and that's me with like you know I I feel bad because I don't I, I you know I, I I bet you there's people that have a lot of nostalgia for this and really enjoy it like yourself. So I I don't want to rain on anybody's parade. I don't want to be like I like you know like like I don't I don't bear any ill will towards the film. It's just I'm. You know, I guess fortunately or unfortunately, I'm coming at it from the perspective of I don't know this. I don't have any attachment to it. I, 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 I'm, I'm 41 fucking years old. Like I'm, I'm, I'm watching this now. Like, and and when I'm watching it now, I'm just kind of like, all right, well, they do a bunch of fucking horse shit for for 45 minutes. It's kind of inconsequential, and then they they do the major boo boo fuck up and let the Nightmare King out into the world, and then after that, everything goes to shit, and then and then he's gotta you know fix it, right? And it's like, okay, well that's his art, like I get, it. but it's like things don't really seem rolling. I mean, you know, it's like does does it take 45 minutes for fucking Optimus Prime to die? Like I don't. I I don't know. I don't think so, but, you know, I don't know. I guess it depends. So I know you said this passed you by in 92, but if you had watched this in 92 or 93, like when you were younger, like do you think you would have enjoyed it or do you, do you think you would have? No, mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, like, like, and, and it's not me being like a negative Nancy either. I'm, I'm like, I feel like, like that, that was me. I mean, I was trying to like learn how to drive a car and get girls. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't think, something like that was on my radar. And even if it was like, I, I think the only way I would have tried to get into this is if some girl liked it. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like that's, that's the only reason I could see myself watching that back then. Like when it actually came out, you know, like, and, 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 uh, you know, the other thing too, that's interesting about it is like, I think in that era, like I was never into Japanese manga or anime like I didn't I didn't really know much about it I wasn't into it I you know I I barely I probably didn't really know too much of its existence other than you know like things we've talked about you know things that sort of transcend that where it's like you know the Voltron the Captain Harlock the you know those kind of things the Star Blazers like that that kind of stuff but but other than stuff that already kind of transcended it like I probably this might be hard to explain too but Back then, you were either a Disney animated movie or you were some other fucking piece of shit. <laughs> and literally, like, that's what it was. Like, to me, like, this is this is equivalent to, like, a Don Bluth animated thing. And you know how, like, you know, I, I know he's not your favorite reviewer, but you know how, like, Nostalgia Critic treats, like, Don Bluth animated films? Like, that comes from that sensibility where... If you were Disney, you were the best. If you weren't Disney, you were fucking shit. Like literally, like like you were you were something that somebody wiped off their boot. And I'm not saying that's true, like literally true, but I'm just saying that was the atmosphere and that was like the worldview of the time. So I, I think even beyond that, like I kind of feel like you could get away with if you're a teenager and you like a girl, or or if you're a teenager and you're trying to be cool. I think most people, it would have been socially acceptable had you gone and seen Aladdin, had you gone and seen Beauty and the Beast, 
which I did because I like a girl. Okay. <laughs> so like just, just saying, just throwing that out there, but that was socially acceptable. Right. And for me, it was like one of those things like I will draw beauty and the beast for a girl because I like the girl. Right. And that's fine. But it's like, I don't think there was, I mean, there, there was a very small percentage of likelihood that a girl was going to like little Nemo adventures in slumberland and that I would have known about it and that I would have seen it. And that, there, there was no association for me, or there would have been no association for me with anime, with manga, with Japanese. Like, that that would have never entered into it. It wouldn't have been a pro. It wouldn't have been a con. It just it wasn't even a reality. So what the reality would have been was, was it a Disney film or was it not? It's not. If it's not, then you go down the little pie chart or, or you know, whatever those charts are. What, what, did a girl like it? Yes or no? No? Don't see it. You know what I mean? Like, like that, that was kind of... I, I think that would have been, or, or does it have anything to do with Batman? No, don't see it. You know what I mean? Like, like that's, that's kind of, you know, where that, that flow chart would have been on, you know what I mean? But then if you, if you, if you get some yeses to those, you might've kept pursuing it. It's like, it's like one of those things like, okay, Anastasia, like was Anastasia a Disney movie? No. Are you still going to go see it? Did my mom want to see it? Yes. Did I see it? Yes. Was it a good movie? Fuck if I know. Probably not. You know what I mean? Like, like, like th- those kind of things. So it's like, I, I don't know. Like, th- th- there'd be different degrees of flowchart where it would have gone to. But I think in this case, like, I don't think it was likely that Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland would have made it past those things in the flowchart. Okay. Here's my final question for you, Derek. Do you think Little Nemo could beat Freddy Krueger? Is he like the dream child? Like, is Little Nemo the dream child? Um, hmm. Does Nemo have Does Nemo have the Care Bear staff? He he, he he has the Royal Scepter and he has Icarus as backup. Hmm. Hmm. I think Icarus gets skanked. Shanked. <laughs> oh no. Um. I think I think I think little Nemo can take him out, but he probably dies in the process. Like but then I guess somebody could bring him back. Like possibly with like, you know, sensu beans and dragon balls and shit, right? <laughs> but it'd be it'd be tough. It'd be tough. I mean and and for all I know, Freddy Krueger like takes out like Flip and and uh, Itchy and Scratchy or whatever that <laughs> poor bastard's name is and 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 all these other friends of his or whatever like you know for all you know the whole town's be- but like the, the nightmare king is essentially like a freddy krueger type right so 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 in the context of the the story i think uh, yeah nemo probably takes down freddy krueger but does he like but freddy krueger i bet doesn't like stay dead like the nightmare king like like i i i would see it like like freddy krueger would get taken down by the staff and then and then they bring nemo back and then like there'd be some goofy ass scene and, of like no, you know, no, Freddy Krueger like wink, winking at the end and being like I was, I was gonna oh, say like ha, ha, ha. Nemo and Icarus wake up they run downstairs and eat a pie and then the movie you know cuts to black and then you hear like ha ha ha, ha and you know, like a Freddy laugh it's like it's like they're 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 like no they're like we're going to the circus come on Icarus and then you Freddy's see the ringmaster come out and like grab grab Icarus <laughs> or whatever and Icarus is like you know or whatever you know some some shit like that but yeah yeah i i think nemo with the scepter is pretty powerful he probably he'd probably be able to take care of freddy like he did the nightmare king but i I don't think freddy would stay dead 
And I think Freddy would take out like half of Slumberland before that happened. <laughs> this was, this was, for me, this is an interesting exercise. I hope I haven't like offended anyone or, or, or ruined anybody's childhood by not having any personal connection to the film. Like I, I, I think I can understand why it would be fun for people to revisit like the video games and the, the anime and stuff like that. I'm kind of curious if there are people that have nostalgic feels you know i i don't know if anybody's listening to this and did but but also was really familiar with the comic strip like i'm just curious if if there was people that either they they saw the film and then it led them to seek out the comic strip or if they somehow knew about the comic strip Mm -hmm. and also knew about the film or or maybe how people who were you know, I don't know, like, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe by now they're like me and Tony who are fans of the old Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> and they're all dead. But, you know, maybe there were fans of, of the comic strip. And I'm kind of curious, like, what did they think of, the you know, people that were devotees and, and had the feels, the nostalgia for the comic strip. Like, what did they think of this film, you know? But, yeah, that I think that's all I got. All right. Well, I guess that wraps it up for this episode of Big in Japan. And Derek, if you would be so kind as to inform our listeners where they can find us on the interwebs. So if you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you want to potentially answer my question, if you were fans of the Little Nemo comic strip before there was a film, or or if that film led you to seek out other things besides the video game, like the the comic strips and things like that, you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. The backlog of our episodes, including Big in Japan, can be found over on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. We're on iTunes. We're on all kinds of social media, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. And we appreciate all the likes, feedback, hearts, retweets, etc. that we receive. And, yeah, I think that'll do it. So this is Justin Sunil. And this is Derek. Hot diggity dog. Oh no, Freddy Krueger's eating my squirrel. <laughs> Signing off. Sing me to sleep. Sing me to sleep. I'm tired and I. I want to go to bed. Sing me to sleep. Sing me to sleep And then leave me alone Don't try to wake me in the morning Cause I will be gone Don't feel bad for me I want you to to go Sing me to sleep Sing me to sleep I don't want to wake up on my own anymore Sing to me Sing to me I 
that say avoid legal something went away it's probably telling you like you know don't don't record shit without people's permission don't record shit without people's permission like Derek can release it as an Aquaman <laughs> but uh, don't don't save it for years later as blackmail material <laughs> shit yeah, like I said the only person I could blackmail is myself <laughs> What's the subtitle for this? Okay, I forgot. I'm like, what is this? Little Nemo, Legend of the Overfiend? No. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> that that Princess Camille is into some kinky ass hentai shit, man. 